0: The podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter. Sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. This morning, to um, help us in a new series. If you've been with us, you'll know since the start... Of term, we've been having this series that's been going on, the Bible that Jesus read. We spent the first seven weeks uh, looking at uh, the Old Testament, a kind of overview. And in the lead up to Christmas, amazing, thank you, no one saw. Um, in, the le- in the lead up to Christmas, we got away with that one. Um, in the lead up to Christmas, we're staying in the Old Testament. For the next five weeks in the lead up to Christmas, we've got something called the Psalms of Christmas that's going to be happening. And we're going to look at the coming of Jesus through five Psalms. Now, Saz recently, if you were with us, in that overview series of the Old Testament, um, Saz uh, looked at Psalms. Uh, if you weren't here, very, very briefly, Psalms is the 19th book of the Old Testament. There are 150 Psalms in the book. And what you find there is essentially uh, the songbook of the Bible. Uh, There are songs elsewhere in the Bible that you find, but Psalms is a place where 150 of them are collected together. Now, why are the Psalms so great, and why should I commend you in reading them? Well, here's what they do. They anticipate and train you for everything that you could face in life. That's quite a big claim, I know. But they help you uh, with every possible spiritual, social, emotional condition that you may face during your time on earth. They show you what dangers there are in life. Uh, They show you what you should keep in mind during life, what your attitude should be. They show you how to talk to God about things. They show you how to talk to God and and get the help that you need in situations. I cannot commend them uh, enough to you. Someone once said this about the, the Psalms. They said that the Psalms put their undeviating understanding of the greatness of the Lord alongside our situations so that we may have a due sense of the proportion of things. Now, I've highlighted that word, uh, that, that, that line there, because I don't know about you, but I need that. I need a due sense of the proportion of things. There are things in life that upset me way too much. And there are things in life that don't upset me way too much that really should. Uh, There are things in life that give me lots and lots of joy that really probably shouldn't give me as much joy as they do. And equally, there's things that should give me joy that don't. Uh, I could say that about peace and hope and all sorts of other things. Um, But if you're like me, you're going to need in life a due sense of the proportion of things. Uh, And that's what the Psalms do. So in the lead up to uh, Christmas, we're going to look at five of them together Uh, as we try to keep Jesus Christ front and centre at the most wonderful, but also often the most busiest time of the year uh, as well. So uh, in the next four weeks after me, uh, we're going to look at the four traditional themes of Advent, uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. But before we get onto those four, uh, I've got the privilege just of starting this series and I've been asked to look at Psalm 96. So if you've got a Bible or you've got an app with it on, turn to it now. I will put it on the screen, but you may want to just refer to it as I keep bringing it back up throughout the time now. So here is Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations, they're idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That was quite upbeat, wasn't it? (laughs) It's pretty rare that actually, if you read the 150 Psalms, um, not many of them at all are exclusively upbeat, but this morning we're looking at one of those rare exceptions. That's a lot of talk about singing and a lot of talk about rejoicing, isn't it? In just a few verses, it tells us that everyone should sing. In the Psalms, uh, it often talks about the nations, and in the Old Testament when it talks about the nations, that means the entire human race. So everybody is told to sing. But it's not just everyone who's told to sing, is it? Psalm 96 says, not just everyone, but everything should sing and rejoice too. See that? There's a call for trees, fields, mountains, the earth, and the sea. They are all praising in this psalm. It's incredibly positive. Just have a look at those first few verses. If I go back there. Uh, Sing, sing, sing. Praise, proclaim, declare. That's just like the first few words out the gate. It's a incredibly positive. And I don't know about you, but I find that quite re- refreshing. Maybe you don't, but, but it's just really lovely because let's be honest, not everyone sings and praises and not everything is rejoicing, is it? The world that we live in is pretty messed up. It's filled with hurricanes, natural disasters. There is disease, there is death, there is war. The earth is not simply filled With joy and singing. The world that we know is not the world that appears to be described in Psalm 96. And I can fully understand how, for some maybe this morning, there might be a little bit of a disconnect between Psalm 96 and our 21st century reality. And the question really is how do we go from that picture to Psalm 96? How do we get to Psalm 96? Well, it's not easy. We're living in challenging times, and I won't provide a complete answer this morning, but I think, or or rather the psalm uh, hints at ways that that we might be able to get there. Uh, It says three things, the psalmist. I think he tells us to do these three things. He tells us to see the greatness of God, sing about the greatness of God, and savor the judgment of God. Now, I'm going to do one and three, but someone's going to help me come and do two in a moment's time. Uh, first thing is, we're called to see the greatness of God. And I don't know about you, but that first one is a bit strange. Do you feel that's a bit strange? Uh, there's a bit, bit of me that's just like, uh, when we do this, I, it's a bit, I'm a little bit confused. Those last three words, in, in my head, I, I was going, sing to the Lord, or you nations. Sing to the Lord, or you people, or something like that. But no, this is a declaration for the earth to sing to the Lord. W- why not humans? Why does verse 1 do that? Well, when you look at the Psalms, you will see that often nature has a better understanding of the glory and the greatness of God than humans' beings do. Uh, the, uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In many ways, just go with this a second, nature brings more glory to God than human beings do. Now, what am I talking about? Well, let's just take trees and bees. I could have picked any animal. I could have picked anything. Uh, every day, as far as I'm aware, a tree does what a tree's meant to do, do aren't they? And bees do what they're meant to do. Uh, is the same true of me? Do I do exactly what God has made me to do each day? Well, I'll answer that question. My answer to that question is I do not do uh, what I'm meant to do each day. I'm nowhere near... The person that God has made me to be. And at the start of the psalm, uh, nature is called to talk to the human race about the glory of God. Now, if you're still confused by that, uh, verse 5 will unlock exactly why that is. Why uh, is is nature? is because all the gods of the nations, the entire human race, they're idols. The human race worships, but Psalm 96 tells us, It doesn't worship what they should worship. It doesn't worship God. It worships idols. Now, if you are someone here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't say I'm a Christian. You're really, really welcome. But you might be sat there taking a little bit of, I'm not very happy what you just said there. Um, I don't worship because I'm not religious. It's religious people that worship very graciously. It's great you're here, but I fully disagree. Everybody worships. Everybody. Don't, don't let someone tell you it's just like religious people that worship. Everybody worships. And everybody lives for something. You cannot live your life without investing in something. You can't, everybody lives for something. We all have something that gets us out of bed, that it gives us purpose. And whatever it, you are living for, you're worshipping. The text says that we all worship something... Uh, And so often, it's not God. It's not whether we worship. It's who or what we worship that's the question. And I hope you're not in any doubt about who the psalmist says you should worship. Do you see those first few verses again? Sing to the Lord. Proclaim the Lord's name. Praise the Lord's name. Declare the Lord's name. You name it. uh, Ascribe, give credit to. uh, Ascribe glory to the God of the Bible. Now, you may again be sat there going, why should I do that? Well, the psalmist has told us why we should do that, hasn't he? Uh, See the verses there, verse 4. Why is God so great? Well, this God, he's better than all the other gods. He's superior to all of them, and he's to be feared. Uh, Verse 5. We learn, the psalmist tells us, that our God is the creator. We sang about our super strong God who made everything. He's powerful. Uh, We also learn later in the passage about verse 10 and 13 that he's a judge and more on that later uh, verse 9 uh, we see that he's holy worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness i could go on and pick out loads more verses but here's the thing god made absolutely everything and god made absolutely everyone he made you he made me and everyone and everything relies on him my next breath comes from god your next breath comes from god if i get enough breaths Given to me by God, I'll get to the end of this sermon. But we just don't know that. God's got to give it to us. So uh, if you give glory to anything else in your life, know this. It's not as powerful. It's not as glorious and not as loving as if you gave it to the God of the Bible. In the lead up to Christmas, advertisers go crazy, don't they, as they try and get you to, to buy all sorts of products. We're going to get hit by this avalanche in the coming weeks. But please know this, if you give glory to these things that come to you if, you, if you are seduced by fame, fortune, money, sex, acceptance, whatever it is, it will not be as good as God and it will let you down. So the question this morning, and I ask this first and foremost always to myself, is what are you worshipping? Or rather, who are you worshipping? Who do you ascribe glory to? If it's not God then it will let you down. Whatever it is you're standing on right now will crumble. The only thing that won't crumble is God. So if you want to get from the mess of this world to Psalm 96, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to just see how great our God is. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. Psalm 96 is not just a call to see how great God is, it's a call to sing about it too. Do you notice that in the passage? Lots of references To singing, you can see that something is glorious, but it's quite another thing to uh, relish it, to to appreciate it, to enjoy it. Uh, And we're called to uh, sing about the greatness of God. Uh, You will know if you've read any of the parts of the Bible, there's a lot of calls to sing in the Bible, and the church in the 21st century Western world does many things that I think confuses the world, but I reckon singing's right up at the top of that list, isn't it? Our world is a bit, will there be singing? <laughs> will I have to sing? No, but you can come anyway. Um, and it's strange because singing doesn't happen that often, if you think about it. I can only think of a few settings where you sing. Take this place 400 yards up the road, St. James's Park. i got to be honest, there's not been a lot of singing there lately. Uh, That is another story. Um, Sometimes, uh, when you go to Exeter City, you do hear lots of chanting. Sometimes it's about Exeter City, other times it's about Plymouth Argyle, but we won't go into that either. Um, But that's where singing takes place. Singing also takes place at concerts or gigs. If the artist is well known enough, uh, often people will join in and you'll get people singing together. Uh, Aside from those two, uh, maybe choirs as well, I can't think of many places where people actually sing apart from the church. But what we do in church is different. It's very, very different. We're not just singing out because we're enjoying it. We actually think that we're singing to someone who's not on this stage but is present with us. And that's very, very different. And it begs the question, doesn't it? Why do we sing? Do it every week. Why do we do it? I mean, people brand new to the church, you're just like, I don't know. Just come in and you're just singing, you lot. I've also got a funny feeling there might be people who've been in church for a number of years, and their answer to that question would be, because we always do, Um, and it'd be really good just to unpick why we do this, but rather than myself unpick it, uh, someone much better qualified is going to come and join me now to talk about this. Laura, come and join me, and just going to chat to Laura a a bit about this. Laura joined our staff team um, a few months ago uh, in a role of Sung Worship Coordinator, and um, I'm just going to ask you some questions, different voice, different person, that one's for you. Um, before, before we launch into that one, um, tell us a bit about, so you were, you've been, how long have you been at Belmont now working?
1: Um, since July.
0: Since July, so, and you're still here, that's amazing, well done. Am. Uh <laughs> um, But it's not just Belmont you work for, who else do you work for as well?
1: Yeah, so part of the week I'm at the YMCA, which is a homeless charity in Exeter. Um, so yeah, to and froing a bit, but it's, it's good.
0: Um, I must confess that I have, um, uh, Laura didn't volunteer herself to do this, I gave gentle persuasion. Laura would much rather be stood over there, I think, than sat here. So thank you so much for doing this. I've
1: never been this high before. Have you
0: not? Wow.
2: That's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: very impressive. Um, uh, So that is a big question, Laura. But can you help us out with with why do we actually do this every week and sing so many songs?
1: Yeah, so... um a few months ago, Nick Goldsworthy, going to give you a shout out, um, gave me a book called Sing, which is written by the amazing Christian hymn writers Keith and Kristen Getty, who uh, wrote songs like In Christ Alone, you might know, and The Power of the Cross. Um, so a lot of what I'm going to say is kind of uh, probably their thinking, um, but I'm just going to convey it to you because it's so amazing. Um, But they say there's three reasons why we sing. So you can remember them in three Cs. So the first one is we're created to sing. Um, So singing helps us connect with our God-given purpose to glorify God and to worship Him, as you've already said. And um, singing is like a joyful expression of worship. Singing itself isn't worship, but is an expression of the worship in our hearts that we have when we know Christ. Um, And it's a way of rejoicing. So often we see singing is like uh, said in the same verse as rejoicing, um, and God himself sings. So in Zephaniah, I think is how you say it, Zephaniah, um, it says that God rejoices over his people with loud singing. Um, so if we believe that we are image bearers of God, then it stands to reason that we are also created to be a singing people. Um, so that's created to sing and then we are commanded to sing. So, um, there's over 400 references to singing in scripture and 50 direct commands to sing. Um, And I believe that God's commands are good for us. He doesn't just tell us to do things for the sake of things. Um, And when we live in obedience to God's commands, we live exactly how he intended us to. So we can trust that when God asks us to sing, um, it's because it's good for us and it brings him glory. Um, And the final one is we're compelled to sing. Um, So if we are Christians, um, the beauty of Christ is the cause for our singing. And yesterday I sang at a wedding and I sang the song, How Great Thou Art, which is a really common Christian song. And um, the chorus really struck me because it says, then sings my soul, then being the key word. It's like the next thing to happen. And in the verses, it says that God's glory and beauty is visible in his creation and in the cross. And then it always goes, then sings my soul. So singing is the natural response we have to the revelation of God. Um, So yeah, he is the cause for our singing. So created, commanded and compelled to sing
0: yeah Uh, mental notes put law on the teaching register next uh, term (laughs) thank you very much three c's (laughs) that's brilliant um you've kind of alluded to it but but why is it so important
1: there are like many ways i could answer this question um I'll focus on like one or two. So uh, singing helps us remember. So I have written notes here because I would not be able to remember anything I'd planned to say here. But I could probably sing a lot of songs that we sing in church quite easily off the top of my head. Um, and that's because our brains are like programmed to remember and categorise patterns in music much better than patterns in words alone. Um, so singing helps us remember. Helps us to remember who God is, who we are. It teaches us to remember the gospel and the grace we've received through that. And, I mean, you've already mentioned it about how so much is fighting for our attention um, and our hearts are drawn to worship other things. I mean, I can think of several things this week that have been fighting for my attention and I'm sure you're the the same. Um, But Psalm 96, which we've read, says that the Lord alone is worthy of of worship, no other gods. Um, And, yeah, and I think that Um, Singing helps our hearts remember truth. Music serves the word of God. It doesn't distract from it. It's not separate from it. It's helping us remember it. And um, Paul in Colossians says that it helps the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Um, So he's put it much better than I have.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. Thank you so much. We've just gone to... um, Let's let's cut straight to it. Not everyone likes singing. (laughs) Simple as that. There will be people who love it there'll be people who are like, oh, it's the singing. What, what, what would you say to someone who's, who's like in that, that
1: camp? Well, I would say, speaking to the, the Christians in the room, if you, if you know God and you've been saved by Jesus and you've experienced the, the grace and the freedom that comes with that and you are a new creation, then I would say the question isn't, do you like singing or can you sing? The question is, do you have a song to sing? Um, and if you've turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus and you know him personally, then, then you have a song to sing. Um, and, yeah, Psalm 96, again, doesn't say, sing to the Lord only people who can sing or only people who <laughs> like singing. It says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Um, and that's amazing. And, and that's, that's me. That's you. That's, that's all of us. Um, And if you can't sing, like, for for medical reasons, then, like, we are so blessed as a church to have people like Sarah and Rachel who can come up and they can do sign sign language and they can make singing accessible that way. Um, And if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, then I just, it is my hope and prayer as someone who leads singing from the front sometimes that um, you come to know who Jesus is and how much he loves you through listening to the words that we sing on a Sunday.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I don't know how much you can relate to that, but just talking about songs as well, I know in one of my darkest moments at university, just the words, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, just came to my head, and that, that was amazing. The power of it's incredible. Uh, we're coming up to Christmas now, a time known for singing, mm-hmm. and the uh, programme's great uh, this, this year, as every year this is, our, this is our moment, Christmas, isn't it? And Easter, Christmas, when we can bring so many people. Last year at our carol service, there was a world first, wasn't there? Where uh, you, uh, you sang, you sang a, a song that you wrote for us um, called From the Stable to the Cross. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that song?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, so um, I, I write songs a lot of the time just to kind of like try and piece things together and understand. Um, uh, life and um, I basically in the run-up to Christmas I was listening to a lot of Christmas songs and thinking about how it only they a lot of them only focus on the start of the story the the birth of Jesus and um, I really think it's important that we sing songs um, at Christmas about the the birth the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus people need to know the full story and um, there's a line in the chorus that says that this baby born in Bethlehem changes everything and um, when I became a Christian at 21, it just like changed my life forever. Like, I've, I would never be the same again. And people need to know that message at Christmas. So, yeah. Uh,
0: in true chat show style, would you be willing to sing it for us now?
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: oh, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. Laura's just going to get her guitar. She's going to sing uh, this song to us uh, in a moment. Then I'll pop up and I'll just bring, the, bring Psalm 96 to a close uh, with one other thing. Um, You'll notice in the psalm, In Psalm 96, there's that word, proclaim. Uh, There's there's something else going on when we sing. Now, the word, proclaim, uh, the Hebrew word is uh, bazar, B-A-S-A-R. And uh, when early Christians took Christianity into the Greek-speaking word, it was translated into Greek. And the translation there was euangelizo. Now, some of you will know what euangelizo means, uh, evangelistic, evangelism. Now, that word is possibly a dirty word out there in the world at the moment. But quite simply, it's to pronounce good news. What you're about to hear in Laura's song that she's written is the announcement of good news that we can celebrate every day, but particularly in the lead up to Christmas. Thanks, Laura.
1: I really hope I remember the words now.
2: be but a king meekness held by majesty every whispered prophecy in our manger was complete simple birth glory above the shepherds flocked the angels sung of who this baby would become he was born in glory and while we were made in dust but he chose to end deeply brace the guilty word in love oh but he was just a baby shed in our fragility but this baby born in Bethlehem changes everything for ministry for sick for doubters Pharisees those sinful hearts went wandering he bore forgiveness and a peace miracles and parables a deep compassion through it all what a life and what a way the power of god displayed and he was born in to the cross but still that wasn't quite the end the son of god would rise again a sacrifice a covenant that we would to one day ascend and sit beside the father's side no suffering no sin no cries a place for us in paradise Because of Jesus Christ He was born in glory And while we were made in dust Still He loved us And would gladly bear Our sin upon that cross Oh, but He was just a baby Shed in our fragility But this baby born in Bethlehem Would change everything Changes
0: everything. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Laura. We're going to sing together in a moment. There's going to be opportunity. We need to land this psalm and we need to see what happens at the end of the psalm. It's really, really important because the psalm builds and builds and builds and builds and it lands in quite a surprising place. It talks to us about savoring the judgment of God. Verse 13 says this, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Why, oh, why, oh, why would you get excited about judgment? Why would you do that? The author, speaker, and theologian, Tim Keller, died earlier this year. I learned recently that he read the last three verses of Psalm 96 every day. And I couldn't get my head around why. I think I know now. In our 21st century world, the concept that judgment could be a good thing it doesn't often fit. I can think of many uh, instances where humans despise judgment. If you don't believe me, just speak to a teacher about Ofsted. Uh, Speak to a student about public examinations. Uh, Speak to someone in their health service about the Care Quality Commission. By the way, Ofsted exams and the Care Quality Commission are not bad in any way. There are wonderful people in it. They're not bad. It's just the way that it's perceived and judgment. That's very important. We can often think of judgment simply in negative terms. So how can it be such an exciting thing that this whole thing builds towards? Well, ultimately and importantly, God's judgment is not the judgment that we can often think of. When God comes and judges the world, he's not going to provide some analysis. He won't be providing a report. There will be no grades and there won't be any targets on there. God's judgment day is going to look like this. He is going to put put everything right. That's everything. God is going to make everything right. One of the reasons that I think Tim Keller read these verses every day, it's a reminder that one day God is going to show up and God is going to take all the injustices in this world and he's going to make them right. When God shows up as judge, he's going to demand payment for everything that has gone wrong and he's going to start putting things right. And there's not going to be any loose ends. There won't be any wrongs that will not be righted. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There will be no more sadness. And that day is coming. And just for a brief moment, in the midst of any pain that you're facing, any pain that we see in the world, how does that sound? That sounds good, doesn't it? Thank you. Someone nodded their head. That sounds really good to me. It's going to be an unbelievable day when God puts everything right. Many people believe in that life is just simply hard. You're born, you pay some taxes, you die at the end, full stop. But if you follow Jesus, you will know that someday God is going to come back and he's going to put everything right, absolutely everything right. There is one problem there, though, isn't there? Because if God's going to come and put everything right, if sadness and tears are going to come to an end... Uh, then, well, I am, but probably you are. We're in trouble, aren't we? On a personal level, I know that I have and I continue in life at times to cause distress. I bring pain and suffering through my actions and my deeds, through my thoughtlessness, through things I haven't done as well. I cannot live up to my own personal standards, never mind God's standards. Tim Keller does put it much more succinctly when he says this, if there's no judgment day, then there's no hope for the world. But if there is a judgment day, Then what hope is there for you and me? Well, if I've lost you this morning, and I'm really sorry, just come back in the room just for a second. This is really, really, really important because I'm just going to try and tie together from September to right now where we've been. Because God created the world and it was good. It was good. It was perfect. We turned our back on God in Genesis chapter 3. And at the end of the chapter, there's this clue that somehow God is going to put it right. God's going to provide someone to make it better but we don't see it for a while. Genesis 12, Abraham is called, and God's promises for future blessing for everyone uh, is is there. But during the rest of the Old Testament, we get glimpses, but lots of false dawns. We get glimpses of a saviour coming. We get glimpses of a rescuer who's going to make it all right. Then at the start of the New Testament, following false dawn after false dawn after false dawn, comes somebody who will change everything. Jesus comes into this world as a baby, but actually he's a king. Jesus comes and he performs miracles. He performs parables. He has a deep compassion through all of it for everyone. He ultimately dies on a cross and to the mockers at his feet, he says, Father, forgive them, please. But death, that is certainly not the end. The Son of God rises again. And then one day... There will be no more suffering. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more cries, no more tears. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, quite simply. Judgment Day is a day to look forward to because to, God is going to put all the wrongs right. It's also a good day for you and me. But only, only if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection. His death and resurrection pays the price. For followers of Jesus, you can look forward to a day when suffering will end and the life that you've always wanted, to, wanted will come to those who've given themselves to him. If you don't know Jesus this morning, please come and chat to us. Maybe, you, maybe you're just really intrigued by this person, Jesus. We would love to talk to you. We would love you to follow him because it's the greatest thing a human being can do. As we go into this Christmas series, we've got a Christmas time, we've got great opportunities, and we've got a great God. And if we see how good he is, if we sing about how great he is, and if we savour the judgment to come, we're going to be on the right track. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a great God. Plain and simple. You're the creator You are to be feared above all gods. You're superior to them all. You're the best. You're most worthy of our praise. Thank you that you're holy. Thank you that you are loving. Father, we want to ascribe, we want to give credit to you. Heavenly Father, please help us to see how great you are. Please help us to sing about how great you are. And please help us to savour that day that's coming when you're going to put it all right. Thank you that one day you will. Amen.